Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. With me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Dobre jutra. Oh, very nicely done. Almost. And our guests are the creators of a new web series that will eventually be a feature-length motion picture. The web series is called Origin Beyond the Impact, and the motion picture that it will lead up to is simply called Origin. Welcome to the show, everyone. And we have a lot of names to go through here. There's Jeff Patton, Cambra Potter, David Wagner, uh, Tatiana Patton, Mark Biaggi, um see uh jessica moore travis osland and have i missed anybody sherry migdahl ah sh- um that's <laughs> i missed that one welcome to the show everyone my voice has changed ah <laughs> 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 uh, well let's see i think to begin with um Jeff Patton, you are the director, uh, the creator, the executive producer, um, music editor um, of this entire project. Uh, can you tell us what Origin Beyond the Impact is? Absolutely. Thank you for having us on, by the way. I appreciate it. And from all the cast and crew, we're happy to be here today. So basically what Origin was, was a, it was a... It was a uh, a story that I wrote a few years ago, and um, luckily for me, a friend of mine who was in uh, script writing picked it up, and you know he thought it would be great um, if we tried to bring the story to the screen. And uh, at first, I was a little hesitant because I had never directed a project before. Um, and then, you know, some storyboarding was done to the story, and and it was all it was written in script format, and you know, eventually, it, it just became one of those things where I, I felt that I had to do it. Um, but with that in mind, we, we, you know, no one knew what the story was about. And um, I decided that it would probably be a real good idea for us to make a prequel web series first, which is all, which is known as beyond the impact or BTI right now. Um, and in doing that, since I was a first time director, one of the things I wanted to do was work with actors who were, you know, at the, uh, I, I can't necessarily say at the beginning stages of their career, but I, I would say that that because I get chastised for this a lot, I, you know, it's it's no pun intended, but I, I really wanted to work with actors who were pretty much um, at you know at the beginning learning stages of of what they were you know trying to achieve in, in acting. Well, I think and, I think in that goal you failed because every one of these actors is consummate. They are nowhere near the beginning of their ascent. Well, and, uh, they, the one we do mark. know is who is, sorry? Yeah, level, Ooh, sorry? Level spike. I'll back off. Uh, make a note. The one we do know, Mark Biaggi, has an extensive, uh, uh, entry in imdb.com, mostly of, uh, video games. Yeah, um, and and not all of them were there. I think I have about two or three who had done some work. I, Mark, I believe, is the most experienced cast member on the cast who has you know much more time in. Um, I'd say pretty much everyone at that point uh, 
had about maybe two or three years before um, that that would be the next person um, on the level. But, um, you know, when I went to gather the cast, I went to mostly some of the local acting mm-hmm. schools and even some of the cast members are people that I just found working at a couple of establishments that I thought would be really cool for this. And so they said, you know, why not? Well, you, you, sh- kind of you sure hit the jackpot. You yeah, really- I, I have to say the cast members that I have are great, and uh, the team that's been assembled—they're wonderful. I, I, you know, I, I just don't think uh, somehow all the stars align. We've got a great, great group that I've I've been working with, and I'm looking forward to to continuing on and, and doing more work with them uh, throughout the rest of the series. So um, the so- series is—it's um, very firmly grounded in the present day, but there is a science fictional element to it. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, we, if you, you know, in, in watching it, you'll see that uh, this, this object impacts the planet in the 1960s, and then we fast forward. And in the origin story, um, you'll get a glimpse of, you know, a more detailed uh, glimpse of, you know, how that object hits the planet and, and what kind of uh, starts the whole thing. But we wanted to get the prequel story started off on the person – um, which is uh, our missing scientist, um, you know, 60 years earlier, he had something to do with the discovery of what was at that impact site. And now he's um, he's a scientist that works at our corporation called Crow. And, uh, you know, we have a couple investigators who go looking for him. But in the event of looking for that scientist, they uncover some other things that, you know, a lot of people will find out going, you know, going forward in the, the next half of the series. But we mixed, um, you know, past to present times simply to to be able to tie the story together. And uh, you'll get to see more explanations of that when, when we finish the second half. I love the interaction between uh, Agent Shepard and Alexi. That would be Travis Osland and uh, David Wagner, uh, who open the show as the most unlikely buddy cop couple. <laughs> Alexei seriously does not want to be there. We have no idea how good he is or why he's even there. But there's a strong Russian presence also in in the Crow Corporation, so there's obviously a good reason. Absolutely. We'll find I'm out sure what David it is. Wagner could probably explain that a little bit better. David, would you like to explain to them uh, your perspective on that? Well, I'll try, but you know me. I'm not too... Uh... Uh, too tight with the information. I'm liable to let some spoilers slip. You sure you want to trust me with that? I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, wow. Where do I even begin? Uh, the um, hmm. this is the, this the is, character of of Alec- I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is really this is really bizarre because I just watched you play a Russian. <laughs> and your so accent was American so accent. your accent was so good. <laughs> oh well, thanks. Yeah, that, I got Jeff's wife to thank for that. Uh, she was uh, pretty relentless on me as far as good. honing it in until it's uh, until it was right in the right sweet spot. Which I'm what a, I think what a great I, resource. I think I'm in a good spot. So. What a great resource. Yeah. Anyway, yep. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I it's derailed a, you. Uh, uh, tell us about uh, tell us about your character and you know as as half of the buddy cop team well he came into the uh, the russian intelligence uh, i guess uh, lifestyle back right at the tail end of the kgb right when it was transitioning so uh, into the fsb back in the early 90s and he's you know he got a pretty storied career he had some military uh, uh, some military history and then he uh, you'll find out that he's got some sort of tragic events that take place that uh, really sour him both just in life in general and also in his duty and also, you know, just this whole outlook on mm-hmm. life changes. He's got a certain skill set uh, that uh, is useful when put to uh, to use by those who uh, are in, you know, who's our supervisors. Uh, and so he kind of does what he's told, but in, he really doesn't care. Uh, he doesn't care. He's, he's, he's good at what he does, but he doesn't care, which I guess is pretty evident if you've seen the first uh, episode of BTI. He does keep uh, saying but that. Yeah, yeah, he sorry, says. He says one of the memorable lines is, uh, "You don't have to like something to be good at it." Sure, sure. Yeah, so I'm kind of I'm winding up my career, uh, and uh, you know, one last hurrah kind of thing. We need you to go do this. We need you to find this guy. 
uh, and I'm like, I don't really care who he is, but uh, the guy who's uh, with me there in, in Moscow at the beginning says, you'll find him and you may find some other information that you might find useful. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, hoping that we've laid the groundwork for kind of a parallel uh, story as far as uh, his investigation. Uh, kind of keep him on the hook to find the missing scientists if possible. And, and, and what is this extra little goody that's out there for me? So. Yeah, did that give away too much, Jeff? I hope not. <laughs> no, you're quite fine, David. Thank you. Okay. Sure. Travis Osland, you play Agent William Shepard, who is as different from Alexi as it's possible to be. Uh, you're pretty much fresh uh, early on in your career, whereas Alexi's at the end. You're open. You're gregarious. You're kind of... Full of sunshines to Alexi's grumbling bastard. <laughs> yeah, um, we. I think that they did a good job of creating a, a role that's pretty polar opposite to to David's character, making it a interesting, um, like an interesting dynamic between the two, uh, and definitely plays out. Both, but both having the same like objective. You know what I mean? Uh, both tasked to find the uh, the missing scientist, um, and then what comes along the way is just. It's got everything in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Agent William Shepard is, uh, is five years out of the, um, the FBI Academy and um, he's had some uh, smaller, smaller profile cases until this one comes along. So he's very much trying to, to figure out his, his way and, and make his mark. Um, and then this is the last guy that he was expected to get paired with. <laughs> On, on on finding this missing scientist, but um, but yeah, but David's been a, a awesome guy to to play opposite of. Uh, so the whole thing starts off with the impact of this gigantic whatever it is, and it's not even clear what it is, uh, just that it made a big kaboom and a very bright light, which apparently blinded one of the key players uh, as a child. Uh, who is now all grown up. Uh, her name is Katie Cassidy. The actor is Katie Cassidy, played by Jessica Moore. Uh, yeah. the, the character is Katie Cassidy. Right, I said that. <laughs> Didn't I say that? Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, that would be I'm, no. The character, the character is named Katie Cassidy, and the actor is Jessica Moore. Yes, dear. Okay, I, I think I've got that straight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here for you real quick. So, it wasn't the object that blinded Katie Cassidy. As a matter of fact, that young girl didn't get blinded. But that's oh. 60 years earlier. And that's okay. Yeah, I was about to say, is she 60 years old? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I... She's a nice-looking 60-year-old, if that's the case. I mean, I'm impressed. <laughs> okay, I, all right. I, I guess I misunderstood what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, well, Katie Cassidy's actually... Um, a little bit younger. Uh, <laughs> she's 30. Mm-hmm. And um, she, so she came to be in the more current day part of the story. But uh, she's a town local in this desert town. She went blind when she was a teenager. So she had, she did have sight in some point of her life, but lost it. And um, she also uh, had lost some of her family, her, her parents had passed away. And Kim, the pretty blonde in the story, she is my sister. Mm-hmm. And her and I run a farm. Which is an interesting challenge for, you know, somebody who's lost their sight. Yeah, well, and she she's just kind of picked up her life. She didn't want anyone to feel sorry for her to she's she's already lost her parents she doesn't want anyone feeling sorry for her she doesn't want anyone taking care of her she's very close with her sister so they got more of a friendship and you can kind of see how they they bicker at each other mm-hmm. a little bit um and kind of push each other's buttons here and there but they love each other and um and the girl Maddie in the the very 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 beginning Mm-hmm. who um, you see kneeling at her side as her best friend she grew up with. So she has a very selected group of close, close friends that um, that she lets in her inner circle. Other than that, uh-huh. she's very self-sufficient. But at the same time, you know, she she is, uh, that makes her kind of insular. You know, mm-hmm. is self-sufficient, but insular as well. 
True. Yeah. Yeah. It takes something major to really get through to her. It does. It does. And she's a, she's a tough cookie. (laughs) So so the question, um, so the question in my mind is what is she doing in this story? She is obviously very important to it or, uh, so much time wouldn't have been spent on developing her as a character. But we don't really get to see a lot more of that apart from the development of her, uh, you know, as as a personality, uh, you know, during the first third of this um, this first episode, this this pilot. Then she bumps into uh, Agent Shepard, literally. (laughs) That was a painful day, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, how many takes was that? Boom. Okay, do it again. I did a lot of takes. The last one, I really lowered my show there. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I was wearing a a football gear under that dress. (laughs) She had pads on everything. (laughs) No, that day I went home with a bruise on my hand from hitting the asphalt. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think that I was going to have any bruises or uh, cut scrapes or anything from acting that day, but... (laughs) Yeah, but then I came along and just... <laughs> very, very well, cl- clumsily. You know, it's slander. It's said that a lot of actors have acting in their blood. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I left that on the asphalt. Jessica, it. Jessica it, it, it asphalt. sounds like you have blood in your acting. But I'm bumped. So yeah, Katie, uh, you will get to know more about her character in the upcoming part of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, nothing's resolved here. It's part one, and yeah. like, the part one does tell us mm-hmm. from the outset. That well, if I were, if we're going to get intrigued. If I were, if I were screenwriting this, I would use her, the lack of her physical side as an allegory and and a counterpoint to something she gains later, uh, which could be very much tied into the science fictional element. Am I getting warm here? Jeff? I'm not giving you any spoilers. We do I try hit a, to wheedle a little. I hit a, I hit a button. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, first off, for the first half um, with BTI, I really wanted to do my best to give a character narrative or a character uh-huh. description. Um, you know, just, just to, to get the audience to, to get to know some of these characters. And then in the end, I tried to give at least 10 minutes as much as the story as I could in the last mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Um, but going forward with Katie's character, you'll learn a lot about who she is and, and who she's lost and why, she, you know, why she is the way that she is. Um, she is a very important centrifugal character to the story. And some of your, some of your thought process, probably I'd say most of your thought process is correct. Yeah. <laughs> But that's without giving away too much. And it may be in a direction that, that, that you're uh-huh. not prepared for. And hopefully that's something I can do. I don't want it to See, be. This is this is the hazard of talking to smart radio hosts. They can yeah, figure uh, things you know, out. Uh, <laughs> picking. You're, 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 you're far greater smarter than I expected. Mark just told me so much, so many bad things about you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I would That's try and awesome. sneak in here and be smarter than everyone else, but it doesn't appear I can get one over on you. So, what's next? Should we talk and cling on? No. <laughs> no, please, no. I was, yeah. I was actually, uh, I was actually going to uh, ask Cambra uh, to chime in about her character. Uh, Cambra, you play. I don't have a note on this. You play Aaron Baxter. Well, I think uh, I think Miss Baxter and Miss Conrad kind of go as a unit because Miss mm-hmm. Conrad is the boss. She is the chairman of the board, the head mama in charge, and lets everyone know it. Baxter is her protege, her lieutenant, and a, very right. obviously a danger to her position. Well, and. It, uh, I I think Cambra, your character sort of reads like um, you are a, a like a universal adapter flange, a a, a Swiss Army knife for whatever uh, whatever is needed at the moment, and you do your character does it with precision and delights in that precision. Yeah, I would say so. Jeez. I think that Miss Conrad and I are definitely a package deal, but. Uh, 
we'll see what unfolds in the future episodes. Uh, I, I just, I really had fun playing this character. She's so on point. So, um, you know, she, she's a force to be reckoned with, I'd say. Well, and Definitely. And a force to be reckoned with and, and in, just delights in manipulating everybody. You go here, you go here. She's playing with dolls, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> or action figures. Chessboard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, ch- I, I would have said chessboard, yeah. You know, because, um, uh, I mean, it's very, very clear that there is a great deal going on in that skull of hers that we're not privy to. And it's so close and so tight that, um, that it really presents an enigma. It's, it's so. It does and it doesn't because obviously she is starting to pu- push pieces around on the chessboard without her boss's knowledge or permission. And I can just see the cracks beginning to happen in the, you know, in their last scene together. So that does plant the seeds for, does, for future conflict. It? Yeah, there's yes. a great deal of potential there. Someone's going to get their makeup messed. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, T- Tatiana Patton, uh, you play. Uh, we we the the character's not named, but the character's uh, not named, but. But um, Alexei is trying to speak to uh, Mark's character, and she's standing there, and Alexei just kind of dismisses all the women as unimportant to the conversation. As it turns out, she's like the Russian head of the space agency or something like that, and uh, not someone to be trifled with. And uh, and it's it's you that was responsible for getting Alexei uh, David Wagner's uh, Russian accent on point. Probably everybody's Russian. Yeah, accents. probably everybody. Except Mark, who knows how to do accents. Mark, what do you yes, think? We... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, oh no! Well, let's let's see. First, let's hear from Tatiana. Actually, I didn't have to help David with his Russian accent. That he did totally on his own. I just helped him with pronunciation of Russian words, mm-hmm. and I, that was the only part that we had to work on. And Mark, he he did a great job. He almost didn't need any help at all. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but I did, really. <laughs> I did. I so did I. And I need, I'm going to need more. <laughs> so is, as, as voice actors doing Russian accents, is it weird to have a beautiful Russian accent and not know a lick of Russian? <laughs> <laughs> For all we know, it could be a very bad Russian accent and what the hell uh, do we know? I mean, you know, you could be saying uh, you My could, hovercraft is full of eels. I want to feed your fingertips <laughs> to the wolverines and we'd never know. Yeah, uh, we They'd get uh, letters. This is Mark. Um, yeah, Tatiana kept us honest. She really wanted us to portray our accents accurately and to be convincing as real Russian people. So we really worked hard to try to pronounce things right. She would correct us, and then at a certain point, we kind of got into a vibe. But I wouldn't say that, you know, I no conversational Russian at all. It's more like, you know, the ABBA version of Russian. <laughs> <laughs> speak Russian like ABBA spoke English, you know, the singers. The so. memorized phonetic. Yeah, but I, did, I am learning some stuff on my own, but when I come back from my tapes and... Uh, and, and listen to those, Tatiana goes, well, that's close, but not quite. And so it's nice to have someone to really refine that because it gives me a lot more confidence. And I'm learning a lot and I really enjoy it. So we don't want viewers in Russian to be gritting their in Russia to be gritting their teeth. No, we don't. We don't. And that's I mean, I've, and that happens a lot, according to what Tatiana has told us. Right. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of my husband's favorite movies have that. Situation oh. where Russian, even Russian names aren't. Okay, so we're going to stop this right now. Because okay? I'm not, not going to get into my favorite movies. I can tell you this my wife has translated the entire series for viewers in Russia to watch. So cool. it's subtitled in Russia. She just put it out a couple weeks ago, which oh, I thought wow. was, oh, was wonderful, oh. amazing. 
that's really cool. I mean, that's that is uh, that is an added value. So when I'm, the when the Blu-ray comes out, and it will, we'll have you'll <laughs> have you'll have subtitle track all all set. When I first started uh, working with uh, Tatiana on the pronunciation, uh, the Russian accent and the Russian uh, spoken language, I asked her if there were if she could point me to any Hollywood movies or TV shows where they they did it right, and she said no. <laughs> no. Well, there was Not twenty. One. There was tw- oh, there was twenty ten, but they had real expat Russians <laughs> playing yeah, well. the the crew of the Leonov. I would say that when we talk about you know how Russians are portrayed in certain movies, I just really think it depends on each independent or individual story or director who's working mm-hmm. on the story. Uh, you know, it's it's all about research. You know, I, I can't say that I got everything 100% accurate when I wrote Origin when it comes to the Russian element, even though I'm married to a Russian, because there are some things that it's, – it's funny. There are some things that some Russians don't even know about their own culture or about their own, you know, about their own thing. And I think that same goes for Americans. You know, when mm-hmm. certain movies are made about our country, even as Americans, sometimes we don't always get it right. But the most important thing was for the story, just so mm-hmm. that the viewer understood the the story, and, and and we do our best to try to make it as authentic as personal. But it's Hollywood. I mean, I'm not Hollywood, or we're not Hollywood. But you know, you, sometimes you have to suspend, you know, you know, disbelief. I think is the mm-hmm. word, or mm-hmm. in order to, you know, in order to, in in order to. To, to allow the viewers to escape somewhere where they feel comfortable as long as we're not hurting anyone's feelings. And believe me, if I did anything wrong, I'd be sleeping on the couch. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but hopefully, hopefully, I think for the most part, it, it translated well. And I think everybody did a great job who was in the Russian half. And I feel my wife did a great job working with them. So I think it, it was all it was all good. A great deal of the project that we've seen of so far has to do with aircraft and people getting on and off of very expensive airplanes and there's jet fighters and helicopters and all sorts of stuff. It costs, what, $700 an hour to keep a helicopter in the air? You know, it's. I won't go too much into how we did a lot of that stuff, but I will tell you I owe it all to Miss Danielle Conrad. Because <laughs> most of that stuff she owns. Her character owns the planes and the helicopters. Uh-huh. Actually, she doesn't quite own all that stuff, but she could. Um, so in the making and, and using all that stuff, um, you know, we, we have some pretty – we have some pretty decent support on the project. Um, yeah, it and going shows. Forward, we have a lot of, of, of support, but it was well and, and, and pretty real thought through. I did want to go back really quick to uh, comments when we talked about um, Camera's character and Sherry's uh, character, their mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, because when I was looking for someone to play Sherry, it was interesting. We or or Danielle Conrad. It was interesting. We had had uh, a young actress who had decided to withdraw from the project, and and when we brought Sherry on, she just recreated the character in a way that I just I couldn't imagine anyone else playing that character. Because uh, when we talk about her strength and her running the company and mm-hmm. and being who she is, it's just. It's amazing to I, I have to tell you some of my best you know some of the some of the best scenes for me as the director watching were watching her do her thing because I just so much enjoyed watching the control and the power that she has. And I think with her relationship with Canberra, you're gonna be or 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 Aaron, you're gonna be surprised. I, I see that you have some preconceived understanding of what may happen. But I think you may be heavily surprised in some of the things that are actually coming. I've I, been I've been the the young executive. <laughs> okay. Oh yes, and you know it's interesting. Sherry Sherry, you know, has been an executive herself, which made her you know really great for this part. As a part, as a matter of fact, Sherry, you know what you know what were your thoughts? I this is Sherry. Um, I have had some of the best moments ever working on this project. Um, like you guys said, 
this character is the woman you love to hate and I adore her and just can't stand her all at the same time. You know, I, it's fun being on set and getting to just sink right in and just be the absolute monster Mm -hmm. and just be hateful and, and be strong and, and rule the roost because it's really not, I, I guess because I'm a Gemini, I'm kind of a little bit of both. I'm I'm a mother of two boys, and I'm like probably one of the nicest, sweetest people. But then people are afraid of me when they see me on set, and they say, "Oh my so god, you're scaring me!" Well, so was you Margaret know? Hamilton, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West, nicest lady <laughs> in the world. Right. So it's kind of fun to go home and bake cookies and you know pet my dog and. And be a sweet lady, and then I get to come on set and just project real power. Yeah, yeah. You 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 project real power in your role. That is just you just fill the space. That's just wonderful stuff to watch. Thank you. You just watch her original her original character. The way that I originally thought of her, and you guys can probably relate to this. And it's funny, like I said, she took the character and she ran with it. Um, Most of the actors on this project did, which I was really happy about. I had an understanding of what I wanted to see because I know the story. I know what's going to happen and I know what I want from them. But, you know, originally I was thinking Sherry would be like Kalar, the Klingon. You remember her? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and that that was my original thinking. And then Sherry comes in. And, you know, when I described to her what I wanted to see, she just really took the character into a much greater and deeper place. And I was and it allowed me as we were writing the rest of the story to to expand on that with Camber's character and Sherry's. So it's wonderful to watch them make music. That's the way I look at it. It sure is. And with a good team of actors, a good cast, uh, they can produce something more than the sum of its parts when the scene unfolds. And it's really amazing to watch it. Absolutely. The editing is so smooth. I, I did not ever see this as an amateur production. You've, you've obviously loved, done this before. I loved the production values. It's so good. We could, it's we could, so good. You could drop this onto Sci-Fi Channel next week, and nobody would say boo about it, except, except that it was better than most of the stuff they have. <laughs> it has a plot, <laughs> and well, it has you know, no sharks. I, I had never, I had never edited before a film. Um, I had worked in music for for a, a small, decent amount of time, um, but trying to learn the process, I figured. You know, when we get to the film or we do the next half of BTI, the important thing was when I start bringing on a few more people to work with me. And my wife still hates me for this to the day because all the editing, everything was done in the man cave, which is probably about a five by five cell that she keeps in the house for me. Um, And so I really wanted to learn and understand what it was I was doing um, so that going forward, I knew what we wanted to bring in terms of looks, in terms of sound. But it was the, I, I really enjoyed that the most. It, it, it was a huge undertaking, but it was, it was also, you know, it was also very fun to put together. So now I had not had a chance to edit anything like that before, but I think it's easy to edit something when you already know what you want, when you already mm-hmm. see the story in your mind, and then the actors have put it together so brilliantly, you know, I, I, I couldn't have been more happy, and it couldn't have been more easier for me to do that. Well, yeah, that's, that's as it may be, but people go to school for this. <laughs> you know, people, people go to school for years to learn how to do what, you seem to, what seems to come naturally to you, because there's a technique to this. And you just, just pulled it out in the man cave. Yeah, in the, in the man cave. Yes. <laughs> correct. I, I like the man cave. The uh... I just want to say, Jeff Patton. This is Sherry. Jeff Patton is just a natural born leader. I know that in the in the series, I'm you know the the head boss, but he just naturally brought everyone together so beautifully and just seamlessly and just 
created such a wonderful environment to let all of us just do our thing that it was magic. Well, that's well the I'm best- going to count us as very lucky to, to have talked to you first because we're going to see a lot more from you. This is my prediction. And this I'm never look- wrong. And she, I, she actually I'm never hoping is. hoping that for the cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hoping so much of that for my wife because she's looking at me with the Russian eyes. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, she, she's been very supportive. Everyone has been very supportive, and mm-hmm. I appreciate Sherry's words. But I must let you know, she – it it is it it is something that it's something that's strange. I've spent some time around the entertainment business, and it's very strange to see and be in the middle of something. It just seems very euphoric to me. Um, with this group of people, they have the right attitudes, they have the right drive, they have the right will to want to to follow through, and they're so grounded. You know, they've gotten a lot of compliments, at least here in San Diego. There are a lot of people that are really enjoying their work, enjoying what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but they manage to stay grounded. And I think that's one of the things that makes me enjoy it even more. I'm surrounded by a group of people who are who are just as supportive of me as I am of them. And they're all working together. No one feels greater than the person next to them. I, and you can, you just can't ask for, you, you just couldn't ask for a better, um, a better situation to be in. It's often been said that the captain sets the tone for the rest of the ship. And if that's true, then Jeff, you deserve a lot of the credit for creating the environment in which they could do this. And, well, uh, I think what you've done is ex- an extremely impressive feat. And it's very, very rare in the entertainment industry. You have no idea. Oh yes, he does. I guess he does. <laughs> it's, it's like the the you know the old joke. The reason that in uh, af- the reason we're doing we do these radio shows sitting down is to prove that after all these years in the business, we still can. Right. What does yeah. that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> That you we know, can sit down. No, I it, it, it means it means that practically every phrase in uh, uh, in Hollywood production lingo translates to bend over. Ah, oh, well. yes, <laughs> no, yes, yes, man. See, I was going to say that we knock you off your feet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Let's go with that. <laughs> I'm up for that. You know the, the the really neat, interesting thing, and maybe David can can you know David has had an opportunity because he's one of the co writers who works with me on this project. I, you know, maybe I can have him chime in on this just a little bit. One of the really interesting things is watching the process grow, and David is one of those people beside myself and and my assistant director uh, Mike Evans, who has been also very supportive and wonderful on this project. Um, you know, my work spouse, the the one that my wife actually likes, um, and uh, you know, it's been interesting watching everything grow. But David um, has had a chance to watch things grow from on the side of an actor and as a writer being inside. He can see – he knows the story like myself before everyone else gets. But when he started, it was interesting when I met him. I, I think he's a talent to be – you know, a force to be reckoned with. But he was also, again, very humble. But, I mean, um, watching the process grow. I mean, David, from your perspective, how, how, do you, how, does, how does the process look to you as an actor and as a writer starting? I'm curious. Well, you know, I've, for a decade and a half, I was doing a bunch of stage stuff. So this is really my first film project. And I've written plays. I mean, I've been the writer, the soul. I wore all the hats like Jeff is doing now in just very small little local theater things. So branching into the film, I didn't really know what to expect. And this being my first real big project, it was uh, sort of a, okay. Everything that came along was, okay. this must be the way it's always done. But going into a project without a script, that just boggled my mind (laughs) because my method is you write the script and then that's the very first thing. Then you get people on board and you move forward. But that's with little plays and things. 
So uh, being able to be in on this on the ground floor without much script to work with initially and bringing in uh, cast members for, for roles that hadn't been written yet was like, wow, you know, like no net. I just like, what is Jeff doing? This is, and I trust him. You know, he's the captain. So uh, I'm going to go along with it. But being able to write the script and the characters for the actors that we had, uh, it's like working together with, so you take who you have and then you write the roles for them specifically, rather than writing the roles and trying to find actors and actresses to fill them. It's just been a real eye-opener for me, and it's really amazing. And we're still doing that with the remaining scripts that we're writing. Uh, we're kind of taking who we have and uh, crafting the story around them. We have a story we want to tell, and, and we're catering it for each specific person. It's it's really exhilarating, but it's also still frightening to me because I'm the kind of control person that I have to have it all written down first and it's all and I review it a bunch of times and then okay now who can I call who can we get involved in this it's just a completely different way of doing things than I'm used to so yeah it was it took me some a time for adjustment uh, and a few freakouts but I think I've got my feet under me to the point where uh, we're moving forward and it's really it's really something it's really something it's like uh, seeing the mountains for the first time boy that was corny wow but yeah no it's it's like seeing uh, it's it, seeing this all unfold. I hope that my all my future projects uh, are done this way because it's really it's it's rich in ways to catch me off guard, and I need that as a person. So you're building your experience on um, the soul of it, rather than you know it's starting out with the soul of it, rather than yes. uh, an explicit and structure. music. Actually, music has been a really fundamental part of what we're doing. As we're writing the script, we have the music in mind, which I, which boggles my mind, too, because I, music has mm -hmm. always been an afterthought. I, I really underestimated how important the music was. Oh, but yeah. to have the music be a fundamental part of the of the creation of the script from the ground up and the scenes that we're writing is just also just a whole other um, blown mind experience for me. But I can see <laughs> so, yeah, exactly being around what Jeff is really something. I can uh, see exactly see what you you're saying. Uh, uh, doing it this way is like working without a net. Right. I mean, you know, you're constantly afraid. Oh my God! You know, if and I, yet Jeff knows the... exactly what he wants, so it's uh -huh. not like we're making it up as we go. We we kind of are, but we are not. I don't know. It's hard to you explain. just think you are. Well, it, yeah. and it means you have to put your faith in Jeff, and and Jeff is uh, Jeff is up to it. You know, he's, yes, big he's time. he's serving it up as you need it. Well, yeah. Jeff is the one with lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That's really it, he's isn't powering it? Powering the rest of them. It's it's lightning in a bottle, and it's it's this is one of these experiences that uh, you know you have maybe a few times in your career. Mm -hmm. And so, we saw them first. Na, 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 na. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plans. Let's just say. So tell us about your plans. Oh boy! So where does it go? <laughs> I have to defer it back to Jeff on this one. I, I'll get carried away. And where do, where does and... it go? Uh, it's it's origin beyond the impact first and then where does it go after this beyond, beyond hopefully the three features yeah we 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 right now currently have three features that were written and and back to david's point you know we i really wanted to take the actors that i brought in look at the best things that they had to offer which was a whole lot and try to build their characters around some of the wonderful things that their personalities bring from the way that they talk to the way that they move and, you know, some of their nuances. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, when we talk about the music, music is, is, is my biggest influence on this project. Um, you know, when we did the first half of, when we did BTI, you know, most of the music, if not all of it, you know, actually all of it was licensed. And so now, you know, after, after we um, decided to do this next half, we had a wonderful composer that we just brought on. His name is Stefan Welling, and he's from um, Germany, and he's a young composer, about 33. But I tell you, he is, he is beyond amazing. He, uh, he looked us up, and he said he would really like to, to work on the score for BTI, so we'll have an original score this time, all original music. I think it's going to be about eight or nine tracks, and um, it's going to be music that belongs to this cast, that belongs to their story. And um, this is just reference back to what Dave was saying. And, and, I, and I always felt that, you know, when there's dead air or when there's space on screen, you know, sounds and music can do a lot to enhance the story of a character. You know, there doesn't have to be an extreme amount of dialogue, I, I feel, to get 
a person's emotions or the story to translate. And I think with each character having some of that behind them, it's like having a pretty heavy wind that'll hold you up. Mm-hmm. When there's you know when there's no dialogue or when there's movement and you have sound, I think every space is filled, and and there's always I'm hoping that there's always a moment that the audience is captivated or consumed by something, whether it's sound, whether it's an emotion, whether it's any of those things. And so with that being said, I think that was a huge that was a huge plus in in the way that uh, that the story was told, and it's going to be a tremendously huge plus in the second half. So where do we go from here? What's going to end up happening is you'll get the full brunt of the story and understand um, the last two hours of what BTI is all about and what it means to origin going forward. In the origin story, you'll probably find out a little bit more about what was out there and what impacted the planet. Um, but for BTI, what what you're um, what you're going to learn is more of the people involved in the process and what Crow's involvement is in it, and the inner workings of Crow, as well as the love story that Katie uh, is involved in, um, and you know, letting go of the past and, and trying to move on with the future, and it's just certain things um, that help bridge the two worlds. Because a lot of these characters weren't, weren't written for origin. As a matter of fact, most of the pilots and uh, Crow were pretty much the, the two main components of the main story. But as I met these, you know, these magnificent actors and some of them I just met and I was like, I'm just going to write a character for you. You know, me and David will come up with something. And, and, and David always gets on me. He's like, there's so many characters and how are we going to do this? And but it's, it's crazy because when we start writing and when we start talking about their stories and the things that they're involved in. He's 100% on board and he's way excited. There's just so much there. And I feel that there's so many people or so many characters that the audience can hold on to and, and, and relate to and, and move through, you know, move through the story with. So once we get to that bridge and we start getting into origin, you'll start learning more of the more, you know, you'll start learning more of the technical workings behind what, you know, what was at the impact site and and um, what they're you know what they're doing you know what crow's involvement their primary involvement in it is and and what the US Air Force's involvement in it is and even Russia so you know that that's 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 what you can probably expect uh, once we're we're done with uh, the last two hours of BTI which will be released um, what is it uh, uh, spring of 2016 about May. Time frame. So this is this stuff is already in in production then. We're in pre-production right now. Oh my gosh! So we don't have long to wait. This is this so, is exciting because this this um this prequel sets up so much. I mean, it, it's all it's all. Um, you watch the whole thing and you realize, oh my god, they set up sixteen different things. You and know, it's all, and, and every one of them is going to mean something later. Yeah, and it's all going to, and it's 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 so well done that you know that every single piece of this means something, and that if yes. you took any any single piece out of it, the whole thing would fall apart, and that's the sign of a brilliant script. Well, we're counting story. on you guys. <laughs> oh, I'm counting on me too. <laughs> <laughs> this this is going to be this is going to be really something. Uh, on the announcement article on Krypton Radio, look it up. Uh, it's Origin Beyond the Impact, uh, and you search for that and the keywords Krypton Radio, and you will find the article that w- originally announced this episode. We are going to uh, post the uh, YouTube of the video uh, for Origin Beyond the Impact in that article so that you can see what all of this is about. And we can hardly wait to see the rest of it. Oh, and uh, oh, before we go, uh, is there a URL or a a, a, a website where we oh, can find out more about it? Origin the Impact series or something like that. It's uh, you can go to beyondtheimpact.com. Okay, and and then all of the or even our Facebook page, which is beyondtheimpact at facebook.com. Um, 
but the entire 49 minutes, which was actually broken into three parts, three 15 minute sections, the entire 49 minutes in its entirety is on, is on the beyond the and our Kickstarter campaign, which we started running just to, you know, we wanted to try to get, um, the public involved in it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Kickstarter campaign was there to try and make the project a little bit more independent from, you know, what our what what our options would be had we used, you know, the funding that's at hand. It really so, is freeing to do that, you know, to do yes. crowdfunding because that way you're answerable to the people who are your direct customers and not yes. bean counters who have no idea what your project is. Exactly. And I think uh, right now, I mean, we have about, I believe it's like 10 days left and, you know, um, we're, we're under a quarter of the way there, but Oops. you know, in, 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 in any case, I feel like, you know, we, uh, if we get enough visibility, um, you know, we, we may be very successful at it. I feel that e- either way it goes, we're going to be just fine and we're, you know, we're going to complete what we started. I think so too. Anyway, thank you again, all of you. It's been this went really, really smoothly. I'm I'm impressed. Thank this you. The, this is the biggest crowd we've ever had. I've lost track of how many people we had on with us. Oh wow, we should have you on set one day. Then you'll really get a sense of that. <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all for time. having us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this evening's episode of Krypton Radio's The Event Horizon. It's been a pleasure having you with us. You have just heard episode 115 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for September 19th, 2015. Our guests have been the cast of the independently produced science fiction thriller Origin Beyond the Impact. Your hosts have been Gene Turnbow and Susan L. Fox. This episode will air again on September 20th, 2015 at 4 p.m. Pacific and at additional times throughout the coming week. See our website for showtimes in your area. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads on KryptonRadio.com and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. If you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, please contact our production manager Kat Carter at catcarter at KryptonRadio.com. If you would like to become a patron of the Geeky Arts, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio to join the Krypton Radio family of patrons. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by Mark Schermeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2015 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>